Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. So good to be back again uh, as we proceed with our Wednesday Bible study, getting ourselves uh, built up to deal with the weekly challenges, daily challenges. Let's worship him who's worthy. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you. 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 Manchere mando roco se preste feliente. For he is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord Alabashite rebel bereste credemente Balmorosoroborakabashikata kalma Hallelujah 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 We give you thanks 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 Blessed be your holy name 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 We worship you we worship you we worship you we worship you Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're perfect in all your ways. Hallelujah. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Holy One, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the new birth. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for the greater one living in us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We welcome you in our midst, O Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As we've noticed that there are always some prayers tucked away somewhere in these epistles that we uh, realize more and more are prayers given to the church uh, so that the Spirit of God can have his way in our midst. And there's a similar prayer like that in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians and uh, chapter 3, observing there from the 12th verse, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, 
to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. We see this prayer and uh, how it continues to uh, point towards an increasing walk and uh, an abundant, overflowing walk where we consider the love of God, which is his essential nature, to be our target to walk in. And God would never ask us to do something that he has not equipped us to do, first of all. And he has turned over his own life and his own benefit, his own person to us uh, in the very life and nature of God. So we are now just to be doers. And so revelation and help come to us through these uh, prayers. Hallelujah. And that is what is known as being blameless or unblameable in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Let's hear this prayer also in Canada as we go forward. Namma prithiyu nimma kadege hego hageye nimma prithiyu obbarindu obbarigu ellara meleyu abhivruddhi hondi atyadikavaguvante kartanu nimage anugrahisali. Namma kartanada Yesu Kristanu tanna ella parishuddarondige baruvaga nimma hrudayagalannu drudapadisi tandeyada devara samakshamadalli neevu parishuddaru nirdoshigalu agiruvante madali. So we are a people that are looking forward to the coming of our Lord and so uh, we are trusting that he will find us in a state where our hearts are unblameable before him. That uh, according to the light we have, we have walked in it. And that's what's important. That The light in which uh, we walk is the light that we have. And God expects us to walk in that light, in that revelation. And uh, he can actually look at us as blameless or unblameable. And therefore we pray these prayers that wherever we have uh, attained to in our walk, in the revelation of the love of God, which is his nature, which is also our nature, the born-again spirit within us has that nature. And so uh, we are going to be pressing into more and more, abounding in that love. And you can see already... It is so contrary to whatever is out there and whatever we have in our flesh nature, which basically uh, tries to preserve itself, save itself. And um, so these are thoughts that we have to entertain and pray about, that we will abound and increase in this love one toward another and all else. Praise God. There we go. In all of these thoughts, uh, we have a continuation. As we are living in the very last days, we thank God that we have breath. We can serve him in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's go on also uh, to Romans and observe a scripture there. Romans, the fifth chapter. Very familiar uh, scripture. And verse 5 says, And hope make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. 
Praise God. Notice the clarity with which he speaks. In the next verse he says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. So uh, we could not save ourselves. We had no strength to save ourselves. And um, so that was the right time, knowing that no man could save himself, not by any observation of external laws or bylaws, but that Christ had to be received. He died for the ungodly. We were in an ungodly state, and that's when he gave his life for us. And so uh, love essentially loves the unlovely and those who are without strength to love you, those who are without strength to have any good thoughts towards you. And that is how uh, the love of God operates when we have no strength. You see, people do not understand that walking in selfishness is weakness and walking in love is strength. And that when we were without strength to love, you know, we were just caught up with our own preservatory thoughts. Uh, we came to the Lord for whatever benefit and help because of our hopeless condition. And that's when the love of God rushed towards us and delivered us and saved us. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost did all of that, shedding the very love of God. Notice, the same love that God used and still is his nature, that same love is what has been shed in our hearts. Praise God by the Holy Spirit. Let's hear uh, Romans 5, verse 5 and 6 also. Praise the Lord. So uh, this is how he is. He rushes towards those who have no strength, who have no ability, who can bring nothing good toward him. Verse 8 says, But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. So you can see that we had nothing to give, nothing to bring to him, nothing to offer, but our misery. Hallelujah. And that's his love that comes towards such a person. And so that is the love of God there in demonstration, as we can see and therefore, we should not wait to look and see whether anybody's worthy of that love. And we begin to look at people through the eyes of that love. And another word for love is compassion. And begin to examine them through the eyes of compassion. And so, uh, we do not look at their value in the natural realm and their ability but we look at them through the eyes of the same love with which God looked at us. Hallelujah. Let's hear verse 8 also in Kannada. Glory to God. There's so much in all of these thoughts and um, we can see in one swoop he came and took us 
from that fallen state, that condition, without strength, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he picked us up out of there and moved us straight into a place of sonship and restoration into a new way of thinking. Hallelujah. And that should uh, jerk us sometimes, give us a nice wake-up call, and make us remember where he took us from. Praise God. In Luke chapter 4, we read some thoughts where, as his custom was, Jesus used to go to the synagogue, and um, he did the same thing in Nazareth. And the Bible declares, verse 17 of Luke 4, Uh, There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Hallelujah. So these amazing words come out of, in quote, Joseph's son that sets him apart. And people begin to wonder, Is this not Joseph's son? And he was so perfectly well disguised that they missed their hour of visitation. They basically, as a nation, uh, missed him and crucified him and so on. But uh, notice that the Spirit of the Lord God was upon him for a purpose. And you can see the purpose is in there, in the preaching, in the healing. And notice, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach deliverance to the captives, So in every area, there is a freedom, there is a deliverance, there is a loosening of bonds, breaking and destruction of every yoke that has held humanity by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And then he concludes, verse 19, there to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If you read in Isaiah, it talks about uh, going further into the judgment, but he does not talk about that but rather quotes these many verses. So there is a relevance, there is a time where all of these verses mean what they mean. We are still in this acceptable year of the Lord. And that's supposed to mean a time of jubilee, a time of uh, restoration, of comfort, and receiving all that belongs to us. Very interesting custom and uh, scriptural uh, precedent is written here. Very interesting. And uh, we can read first of all and then maybe go ahead. Verse 17 and um, up to 19 in Canada. 
ಆಗ ಪ್ರವಾದಿಯಾದ ಯಶಾಯನ ಪುಸ್ತಕವು ಆತನಿಗೆ ಕೊಡಲ್ಪಟ್ಟಿತು ಆತನು ಆ ಪುಸ್ತಕವನ್ನು ತೆರೆದು ಕರ್ತನ ಆತ್ಮವು ನನ್ನ ಮೇಲೆ ಇದೆ ಯಾಕಂದರೆ ಬಡವರಿಗೆ ಸುವಾರ್ತೆ ಸಾರುವುದಕ್ಕೆ ಆತನು ನನ್ನನ್ನು ಅಭಿಷೇಕಿಸಿದ್ದಾನೆ ಮುರಿದ ಹೃದಯವುಳ್ಳವರನ್ನು ಸ್ವಸ್ಥ ಮಾಡುವುದಕ್ಕೂ ಸೆರೆಯಲ್ಲಿದ್ದವರಿಗೆ ಬಿಡುಗಡೆಯನ್ನು ಸಾರುವುದಕ್ಕೂ ಕುರುಡರಿಗೆ ದೃಷ್ಟಿ ಕೊಡುವುದಕ್ಕೂ ಜಜ್ಜಲ್ಪಟ್ಟವರನ್ನು ಬಿ ಕರ್ತನ ಅಂಗೀಕೃತವಾದ ವರುಷವನ್ನು ಸಾರುವುದಕ್ಕೂ ಆತನು ನನ್ನನ್ನು ಕಳುಹಿಸಿದ್ದಾನೆ ಎಂದು ಬರೆದಿರುವುದನ್ನು ಕಂಡು ಓದಿದನು It's an interesting word that he uses there which is supposed to mean jubilee. And the jubilee uh, from your Old Testament scriptures in the book of Exodus or rather Leviticus, the 25th chapter, you can read more about it. But the original plan was that the land would rest after six years of planting the seventh year. The land would be given one year to rest. And after a cycle of seven such uh, rests, there was something called a jubilee. That would be 49 of those multiplied sevens. And that 50th year would be a jubilee where actually everything that, you know, uh, was yours and then maybe sold and given or whatever came back to you, to the original owner. Wow, very interesting uh, arrangement. So if you were waiting patiently and you were almost at the 50th year there, wow, you could just get back everything, you know. And uh, what a bumper that would be. So everybody would be waiting for this jubilee situation. Hallelujah. And so it was with such uh, thinking that... Um, all of these things were spoken. And so Jesus came to talk about the jubilee. In verse 12 he said, It is the jubilee. It shall be holy unto you. You shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. Verse 13, In the year of this jubilee you shall return every man unto his possession. And if thou sell aught unto thy neighbor, or buyest aught of thy neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. Wow. And so you have all of these written there, and you can read it for yourself. We just read 25, um, verse 12 and 13 from Leviticus. Maybe we'll hear that also in Kannada. Adu sambramave, adu nimage parishuddha vagiru vadu, hola dholaginda adara vuttuvaliyannu nivu tinna beku. Sambramada ee varushadalli pratiyubbanu tanna swastyakke hindiruga beku. Praise God. And so what he was saying here was very symbolic but also very real. When he said it, they must have been shocked. Jubilee? You came to preach a jubilee? Wow. So everything comes back to us, whatever was lost, whatever has been taken. Our original properties come back to us. And... Uh, you know, it's just time to partay because it's all coming back to you. Hallelujah. And so this is the kind of uh, thought that they had. Praise God. Uh, the whole 25th uh, Leviticus chapter is worthy of reading. Maybe we will do that eventually. But this is the idea that Jesus came to give us a perpetual jubilee. 
Hallelujah. So there is a church, for instance, that I've heard of called Jubilee. Jubilee International Center or something like that in California. And we happen to uh, enjoy some of their praise and worship by Ron Kenoli. He was their praise and worship leader. So that was, uh, you know, where they got that term from. Jesus came to preach that whatever your forefather Adam lost in the fall, guess what? You get it all back. Hallelujah. Everything restored to you completely. And the part two of it is that everything that was put on you by the enemy goes back to the enemy. It was such a transaction. The enemy got all the trash that he tried to put on us and we got all the benefits that Jesus came to bless us with. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the anointing upon the Lord was to make sure captives were released. Yokes were destroyed. People were set free from captivity, loosed and let go like the bird that we read off the other day to fly in the open field. Hallelujah. Woo, blessed to just go out there and fly and soar in total jubilee and jubilation. Notice such words will come out of that because of your freedom, because of your restoration, because of all the comforts brought back to you. Woo, you just, you know, you're jubilant, you're full of joy and you're excited and that is what Jesus came to give us. And that's good news. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, it's so hard not to get excited about that. And so Jesus came to do that. Hallelujah. Let's turn in our Bibles also to another scripture uh, that will help in such a manner. Um, thank you, Jesus. These thoughts really help. I believe that they set us on a way and a path of blessing. Glory to God. In Luke, uh, the 13th chapter, we have another story here that also reveals this kind of truth. He says um, in the 11th verse, And behold, there was a woman with a, a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Praise God. Why not? Why not glorify God after that? Absolutely. Because she was made whole. She was made straight after 18 years of being bowed over like that. Verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Jesus said that he came to give a perpetual jubilee. Hallelujah. Amen. And here they're still talking about some kind of yoke or the other including the Sabbath day. Verse 15, The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite. See, this is what we want to address. That we can say the right words and we can go through the motions, but our true heart uh, feelings may not be in line yet. 
you know, we need to begin to examine a little deeper than sometimes just words. That is our heart really there. He said, thou hypocrite, glory to God, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? It's just like that. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Glory to God. So in God's eyes, it's a simple thing. You cannot be bound anymore. You have to be free. It's just like water. It's just like natural stuff that everybody is supposed to have. Let's just say it's like oxygen. It's like the air you breathe. It's normal. It's like water. In God's eyes, everybody ought to be free. And Jesus came 2,000 years ago to loose us and let us go. And let us rejoice in that. Hallelujah. And he said, ought not this woman, verse 16, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And he says it is a right. She ought to be loosed. She ought to be because she's a daughter of Abraham. She ought to be free. Hallelujah. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. You see, sometimes uh, you can be embarrassed when you see somebody else blessed, somebody else receiving benefits. And, you know, we need to attack that very hot matter. And, uh, you know, cancel it from the root and say, uh, in the natural, I'm not very excited that you're doing good. In the natural, I'm not excited that you're going forward. Amen. But I address this from the root and have decided to go with the nature of God, which is happy to see you free, happy to see you enjoying the Jubilee benefits. Hallelujah. Addressing such thoughts more and more helps us to see clearly the way God sees things. And uh, otherwise it can be kind of hypocritical. And uh, hypocrisy is not part of the wisdom of God. It can lead to uh, things that we do not want, surely, such as not enjoying a full life. And so we cannot be hypocritical. We have to attack things at the very root. And these prayers are from the Spirit of God to help us. Instead of uh, maybe physically becoming green, just right there, we can speak to our hearts and maybe the green will change to normal color. Hallelujah. Because of the embarrassment that we feel when we saw the benefit. Hallelujah. But that's exactly what the Pharisees were up to. They saw it was free. And that is what the Spirit of God is supposed to be doing. To loose the captives. Let them go into the jubilee and benefits of God. The restoration of all losses. Hallelujah. Every captivity broken. Every yoke destroyed. Amen. And this ought to be the case. Hallelujah. Let's see if we can hear this also in Canada. Maybe a few verses at least. 
um, verse 11 and maybe up to 13. Hallelujah. So here they are in the midst of all of their legalisms, trying to get saved by observing the law. And then here this person comes along and just gives everything freely. That's amazing. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto, I mean, the Lord said unto him, Praise God. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, verse 15, Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Question. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. The culprit is Satan. Eighteen years of bondage. A bond was there. Bondage was there. And she had to be loosed. Praise God. And that is what Jesus came to do. And that is what he preached. And that is what we have believed. And we ought to be free. We ought to be loosed. We ought to be rejoicing that all the benefits are ours. Hallelujah. And his adversaries were shamed. Notice that. Shame comes because of pride and because of envy, which is again based on pride and fear. These are all the bottom uh, grounds of these things. We are supposed to be rooted and grounded in love. And therefore, uh, love does not have fear in it because it is always concerned about the other rather than self-preservation. Hallelujah. Let's see if we can also hear 15 and 16 in Kannada. Adakke kattanu pratyuttaravagi avanige kapatiye nimmalli pratiyobbanu sabbattinalli tanna ettannagali illave kattayannagali kottigeyinda bidisi neeru kudisuvadakkagi hoguvanallave Hagadare ego Abrahamana magalada ee sthriyannu 18 varushagalinda saitananu kattihaakida ee bandana dinda sabbat dinadalli bidisabarado andanu Praise God it's nice to know that we have the same love nature on the inside of us, that we do not have some other nature in our deep spirit, actual life, our spirit life, our born-again life, but it is not in our heads, it's not in our feelings, it's not in our emotions, and that's why we live by faith and not by feelings. Malachi 4 picks the same kind of uh, uh, picture there. Notice verse 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Hallelujah. Notice the picture of uh, calves, you know, coming out of the stall. Praise God. That we who fear his name or reverence his name, we enjoy jumping out like calves out of the stall. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I, I like to uh, put that also in the amplified version. Praise God. I, I sometimes use the amplified version because it's uh, a little uh, wordy and it has all of these shades of meaning. And it is a good uh, translation in many aspects. And you should get as many as you can. By now you would have realized that. Notice Malachi 4.2 in the Amplified. It says, But unto you who rever and worshipfully fear my name, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and his beams, notice that, and you shall go forth and gamble like calves released from the stall and leap for joy. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you look up the meaning of gambol, it means to, you know, just frolic and be excited. Like calves, once you open up the stall uh, in the morning and they, the little uh, calves, the little cows there, they just begin to jump and kick. And you see them, you know, if you've uh, visited a farm, they just get excited and they kick their way and jump around there. And come out of the stall. Hallelujah. And that is how our life ought to be. Just rejoicing, gamboling like calves released from the stall. No more yoke. Open the gates. Let us go free. Hallelujah. Run around happily in the open field. Amen. That's what Jesus came to give us. Those who have received his name. The son of righteousness has come to heal and to release us from every bondage. Open the gate and let us roam in the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's hear Malachi uh, 4.2 in Kannada also. Amen. So picture that. That's... What you are supposed to be enjoying, what we are supposed to be enjoying, just leaping for joy, like there's no restraint in our life anymore, no yokes, nothing holding us back. We are released, thank God for that, to roam freely in the great joy and goodness of God. Hallelujah. Similar kind of thought is there as you examine Job after he had suffered all kinds of losses due to his fear. Um, which was insecurity and uh, fear had nothing to do with the love of God. And so he entertained fearful thoughts of losing everything. But God prevented him from losing his own life by telling the enemy that there was no right over his life. And so eventually, when he repents, the Bible declares in Job 42 verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And so you see the same kind of language of breaking all the yokes, loosening the captives, setting people free, turning things around. Hallelujah. And he got more and he got double and he had a new family and he had a new start. And that was God. That was not the devil. Hallelujah. 
It was not God who put the sicknesses on him. It was the devil who put the yoke and the bondage on all of these cases there. And it was Jesus who set the captive free. Hallelujah. Let's hear Job 42.10 also in Kannada. Yobanu tanna snehitari goskara prathane madidaga kattanu avana sereyannu tirugi sidanu. Kattanu yobanige modalu iddavu gadiginta eradarashtu kottanu. Glory to God. So here we have the picture of the good news of God's love for us, turning things, releasing us from captivity, breaking yokes of our necks, opening up the gates so we can romp freely in His love, in His provision, in His benefits, enjoying a life of the fullness of God. Hallelujah. He came to give us life, life more abundantly to the full till it overflows. Thank God for that. All of these thoughts ought to help us ponder on how good he is. And the Bible declares in Romans chapter 2 that it is the goodness of God that leads us to a change of mind or repentance. I read from Romans 2 verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Hallelujah. When you see how good he is and the plan that he had for his coming, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his sitting at the right hand of the Father was all because of his great care for us to be restored back to the original plan he had where we were back in dominion. We were not dominated by any of the demonic realms or the failure of man, but we were restored back, that goodness is supposed to lead us to change our mind. The purpose, according to the scripture, is that the mind is changed. The spirit is born again, but the mind requires to be changed in various levels until the day we meet him face to face when it is perfect. Hallelujah. Till that day, there is a change that will take place when we consider the goodness of God, the riches of the goodness and forbearance of God. Hallelujah. Riches to such a level that every citizen receives the exact wealth of the king himself. Wow. Glory to God. All that he had, he has given to every single citizen, every person that is in the family of God. Imagine how rich that person is. It could just not end with one, but every single person in the family gets the same wealth that the king himself has. That's a lot of wealth, you know. Praise God. That's inexhaustible, unsearchable riches of Christ. And this ought to lead us to a change in our thinking. And it will in Jesus' name. Let's hear Romans 2.4 also in Canada. Glory to God. There's a lot in there and as we read and study, these things begin to affect our thinking and no doubt about it, change is taking place. Hallelujah. Let's go off to the book of John also. As we were observing last week, 
John and uh, let's look at 15, a similar thought. John chapter 15, observe there, verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is the greatest love. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Praise God. Notice here that this love is measured in the laying down of our lives. It may not be that we have to be killed necessarily. Some of us may not have to go through that. But where you can actually uh, think about others and lay down your own pleasure for their benefit, uh, lay down your time, lay down your own privacy uh, for their good. All of these thoughts are there in that kind of verse. Hallelujah. Let's hear this also in Canada, John fifteen thirteen. So if we can begin to think how, how much we love God, how much we love his people, what are we willing to lay down for God? What are we willing to lay down for his people? What are we willing to lay down for all men? This is how we can rate things, check our hearts, and increase more and more as we see that day approaching. Hallelujah. And this is uh, the love of God. It goes against the grain of our nature, our fallen nature, but the born-again spirit nature actually has the same character. It is willing and will lay down its life for its friends and its enemies, the world, and so forth. That's the very love of God, that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies, in quote, he gave his life for us. Not when we were good or lovely or lovable, but when we were enemies. And we have that same love on the inside of us. You can see that it is easy to talk about. And we can preach and prophesy about it loud and long. But putting it into operation is going to be sometimes quite a battle. I'd rather say always quite a battle. Because there's a seed of fear and self-preservation in our fallen nature the flesh nature. And it contradicts this and is always trying to uh, look for a way to preserve itself. Uh, scientists and people who deal with the mind have said one of the biggest forces in humanity is the idea of self-preservation. It's very, very powerful and well ingrained inside them. And uh, we are going contrary to that with this new nature. Glory to God. So God rates it as this, as there is no greater love than this. This is the height of love. That a man lays down his life for his friends. And therefore, that was his love. And it was given to us the very same love nature that lays down its life for the brethren. And that is how we know we have passed from death to life. That we are truly living and enjoying the new life. Hallelujah. And the struggles will cease. And we can let go and leap for joy. Even though our minds and flesh nature may be screaming. What a fool. What a dummy. You lost everything. 
Hallelujah. But that is when our hearts are rejoicing, turning the flips, doing somersaults, enjoying, and just leaping for joy. Hallelujah. That we have actually done God's own nature and actually left the old nature behind. We're enjoying life rather than death. Glory to God. That is true life. That is eternal life. That's the life of God. Glory to God. Let's see if we can read again from 1 John chapter 3. Most people know John 3.16, but there is also 1 John 3.16. Observe 1 John 3.16. Verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So this is a man who is free to enjoy God, enjoy God's benefit. And then suddenly he has to start laying down his life as an obligation for his brethren. That does not sound like good news. Oh yeah, it doesn't sound like good news to the flesh. But this is the good news from the Spirit. Hallelujah. That this is the life that you were created for, that you will enjoy it. It will get to a place where you are enjoying that. You are in quote, a hippie in the Spirit. (laughs) Glory to God. You're just going around there, living recklessly, living it all for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You could be the Jesus movement type of guy. You know, just lost there in the open fields of the love of God and the goodness of God. But it's not going to, in the end, leave you high and dry. But God is going to make sure that as he owes no man anything, you are going to receive recompense. Hallelujah. Beyond your wildest dreams. He's always like that. Glory to God. Let's hear um, verse 16 if we have not in Canada. Glory to God. Notice verse 14 also. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So here is a believer, imagine, who already has the love of God. But he's not living the life. He's actually kind of shrouded in death. Fear and all of the things that death brings. Sickness and every kind of curse. Inactivity, lockdown and so on. So when you begin to pour out your love and begin to share and begin to lay down, these kind of things begin to quicken in you the very life of God. Hallelujah. You can see that these things are always connected. So if we have offended people, uh, we need to go settle that first and then pray. Otherwise, it really doesn't work. The life cannot kick in, even though it is in our spirit. It cannot affect uh, the rest of us. Hallelujah. And God knows that, and that's why these things are being written. And of course, as we read it itself, there's this sense of duty and obligation that begins to set on us. Like, oh, we have to do this. But that's who we are. Amen? We are new creatures. We have the very nature and the life of God. But there's a part of us that 
fights against it with self-preservatory thoughts. Always thinking that you have to save yourself. If you don't save yourself, who will save you? Sort of thoughts are there, uh, subliminally programmed inside us. But here he's talking about a life where you are just unleashing the benefits and laying them down for others. Isn't that interesting? Praise God. Maybe we can hear verse 14 if we haven't. Amen. Just to show you how it progresses, notice verse 17. But whoso hath this world's goods, or good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Now the love of God is inside us, no doubt about it. But he's saying, you know, how does that dwell in us if we can see our brother have need and we have the ability to help him and we shut up the bowels of our compassion, which is the same as love. But it is towards others, you see. You are not having compassion on yourself. You are having compassion on others. You are feeling pity for them. And you want to share with them. And you want to consider them as someone that you can lay down this, that and the other for. Hallelujah. And that is where you can say the love of God is being demonstrated in your life. Notice how it all goes together. So it's not out of the context here. Praise God. It directly points towards esteeming other people giving them place, giving them honor, uh, treating them as though they are worthy of you laying down. Maybe not your life, but some of your comforts, some of your benefits, and so on. Glory to God. Let's see if we can hear that 17th verse also in Canada. Praise God. Let's go to a familiar scripture over the book of Luke, the sixth chapter. As you begin to contemplate that Jesus came and loosed us and let us go into the great perpetual a state of jubilee and jubilation and shouting and rejoicing that we have been restored back to all the fortunes and estate that he had for us. Glory to God. Luke tells us in chapter 6, scripture that is familiar, verse 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Hallelujah. Notice here that he doesn't say keep. He says give. And it immediately puts a sense of obligation and maybe uh, pressure on us. Hallelujah. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto you <laughs> your bosom. For with the same measure 
that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God is looking to make sure you are restored. He owes no man. And he will cause it to happen because it is the divine way of doing things. You can say it's, it's the divine law of, of the love of God. And as you lay down your life, you are going to get back your life. Hallelujah. When he gave his son, he got back many sons. Praise God. And so you are not going to lose, although your natural man and his thinking are going to scream and shriek and uh, because of fear. Because it's not used to that. It's used to self-preservation. And so God's ways are in almost exact opposition to our ways. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's hear Luke 6.38 also in Kannada. Praise God. We'll be going to a few scriptures uh, along that line. Let's go to 1 John 4 also. Observe here. Uh, in the 16th uh, verse, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Praise God. Of course, the love of God is in us, but uh, whether God is, in quote, dwelling in us, having a good time, being born in our lives from place to place as his temple in an actual meaningful way that it is affecting not just the one carrying him but those around him is in these verses here that we are convinced God is love and that he dwells in us. Praise God. The same love. Glory to God. We dwell in love, God is in us, God is in him. All of these thoughts are there. You can see it is pure scripture. Verse 15 says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God is in him. That's a lot of statements there, but juggling back and forth between them is you're born again. You have the love of God in you. But for that reality where God is actually uh, having a nice time, leading you, guiding you, you'll have to be able to yield to the love of God. Amen. Let's see if we can hear um, 15 and 16 also in Canada out of 1 John 4, if we have not. Praise God. Hallelujah. Back in Romans, the fifth chapter, notice there, verse 5, he says, And hope make it not a shame, because the love of God 
is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That the Holy Spirit who is in us has brought this great love of God into our hearts. The same love of God. Amen. So we have the same love by the same Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Wonderful thought. Praise God. And we rejoice that we have not some other junior love nature or type 2, but we have the original love nature. Hallelujah. Notice Romans chapter 8, therefore. He says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. So if we were to now think about the Holy Spirit within us and his leading, how do you think he will lead us? I believe he will lead us in the way of love, first of all, as a son of God. Amen. And our flesh may say, oh no, I think we're in trouble this time. But we get used to it. Our thinking gets adjusted. Observe verse 16 of the same 8th chapter. The Spirit itself, King James says, it should be himself. Anytime Jesus talks about the Spirit, he refers to him as himself. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Spirit will always bear witness with the fact that we are sons of God and we have the very nature of God and we have the love of God within us. Amen? That's what the Spirit of God is going to bear witness with, with the truth in the Scripture. And therefore, if we're really listening to Him, He's going to lead us in the way of love. That's the witness we will get. And that is the witness of the Spirit. But we can decide whether we will follow that or not. Amen? So it's going to be to lay down your life. That will be the witness of the Spirit. To lay down your life for the brethren. You may not have to be killed necessarily, but you may have to do something that will cost you uh, some of your, in quotes, comforts for the brethren. Amen? Your time, your space, maybe your material possessions may have to get involved in all of that because the Spirit leads that way. Hallelujah. And we need to start stepping out in the leading of the Spirit in that direction. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's see if we can hear these verses also in Canada. Romans 8. Notice verse 14. And notice also verse 16. Hallelujah. So these are the kinds of things we are called to follow in listening to the Spirit's guidance. Amen. Notice there in this whole, the eight chapters, very rich, full of all kinds of thought patterns there. Observe there, he says in verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. We cannot follow the promptings and dictates of the flesh. And he goes on to say, If we live after the flesh, you shall die. Something dies somewhere as we live in the flesh. If you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you can see it's talking to people who already have the life of God in them, the love of God in them, the Spirit of God in them. He's talking to the believer, the saints of God. And they have flesh and they can do things in the flesh. And that does not please God. And we can choose to go with the Spirit and to lay down something. Lay down our life. Hallelujah. Praise God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's in the 8th verse. God is not impressed with anything from the flesh because it is self-preservatory. Hallelujah. It has nothing good. He wants it from the heart, the right thoughts, officially before God that you are laying down because of the love of God and then the rest of your body and so on follows through. That pleases God. Amen. So these are, uh, you know, the thoughts that we are wanting to bring forward in these last days because the love of many shall wax cold. Hallelujah. Our bodies don't want us to, but our hearts want us to. Our bodies don't want us to, but our hearts want us to do these things. Amen. That is a factor that you have to carry with you. Our bodies don't want us to do these things, but our hearts want us to do these things. God's Spirit will always lead us in the way of love. God's Spirit will always lead us in the way of love. Hallelujah. These are truths, uh, no matter who we are, what state and uh, place we are in our Christian life. These are the truths that we have to just yield to more and more, especially as we see that day approaching. Praise God. Let's go on further to Galatians. All this is because of the goodness of God. He has blessed us. He has brought us home. He has taken our curse. He's borne our sicknesses. He has released us from captivity. We are free to roam in the open fields of his goodness and his mercy. The fields of grace, like that song said, just running through the fields of grace. Hallelujah. Enjoying his benefits. Glory to God. And because of all of that, the goodness of God has changed our thinking. And we say, we ought also. We ought also to lay down for our brethren and for all. Hallelujah. Praise God. So this is the core of the thinking which is contrary to flesh. Hallelujah. It is not by the energy of the flesh but from deep thoughts that came from the Spirit of God which agrees with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and observe how it starts. Verse 1, Stand fast therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. How about that? So Jesus set us free, released us from the stall to roam in the grace of God, but you know what? You can go back into bondage. How about that? Isn't it possible for someone to go back into bondage? According to this scripture, that's what happened uh, to the Galatians. In the seventh verse, he said, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey this truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. They were persuaded as time went by some other instructors. 
And they decided to go back. And of course, they were entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So we are called to stand again in the freedom. Again and again. Stand fast. Supposed to be a military term there. Thank God for these scholars in the Greek and Hebrew. That they bring out these thoughts. It's supposed to be like a military person standing. Praise God. Strong in that liberty. To maintain that freedom is what the Christian life is all about. So there has to be a constant adjustment going on. Looking at how free we are. How free are we to live? How free are we to serve? How free are we to give? Etc. Hallelujah. Notice verse 2. Behold I Paul say unto you that if you be circumcised Christ shall profit you nothing. These guys had gone into a place of being saved by faith and then eventually looking to circumcision for their salvation. What? How can that happen? Exposed to such a teacher, such as an apostle of the faith, received there in Acts 14, you know, with all of that wonderful excitement, now you're going back to be circumcised? He says, Christ profits you nothing. Hallelujah. Just imagine that one can go back to these things. It's really hard. Verse 3, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that is a debtor to do the whole law. He said, Oh, you want to go and uh, camp on Sabbath day? (laughs) You better start the whole thing from the beginning. Go get the temple, go bring the original priest, the same dimensions, material, and bring back the old, exact, precise details of every sacrifice. Make sure it is according to the word, according to the law. You have to fulfill every single one of them because otherwise you have gone against everything. Praise God. And the grace of God which Jesus offers has become unprofitable. You gain nothing out of it. That's very clear and very strong. You are now a debtor to do the whole law. And the law cannot save. The law was meant to prove to us that we cannot save ourselves. That God is not interested in external sacrifices of the flesh and all of that stuff that we do in our own energy. But he needed a person to be clean on the inside which required a greater cleanser, the blood of Jesus, not the blood of goats or bulls or ashes of an ephah and so on. Verse 4, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Notice, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Praise God. So the minute you start going into this area, you have fallen from grace. If you're looking... Uh, to do things from the flesh, you are really not operating in the grace of God. And if you do not have the grace of God, you know, the engine starts to overheat. Things begin to happen because you are not flowing in the grace. You are doing it in some other energy. And so we need to keep returning back to these thoughts so that we are enjoying the grace. There is a fresh energy and a power that God supplies. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. 
It may look like it's taking time, but it's definitely coming to pass. <laughs> we will be perfect one of these days, just as He's perfect and He's coming. Glory to God. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Our so-called faith message does not work if it is not in the love of God. You can confess, say all you want, be full of such thoughts and scriptures, but if we do not engage the love of God, it's zero. It's not going to work. It cannot work. It simply will not work. And that's very, very powerful for us who believe uh, in the truth of the word of God. We need to swallow this also and make it part of our life. Amen. Faith works by love. And that's what we're talking about. Praise the Lord. Let's see if we can read a thing or two in Canada. Maybe verse 1. First of all of Galatians 5. Kristanu namannu svatantraran nagi maadiddane adaralli sthiravagi nilliri dasatvada nogadalli tirigi sikkikollabediri. Praise God. Let's also see uh, verse 4 in Kannada. Nimmalli yaradaru nyaya pramanada moolaka neethivantaraga bekendiddare avarige kristaninda yava prayojanavu aguvadilla neevu krupeyinda biddavaragiddiri. Glory to God. And so there is this reality there that we have to keep checking again and again. And so we can be hindered. We were running on the right lane. We were keeping the tempo. We were moving in the right direction. Through that race, everything was going fine. He said we were running. Notice the running there like a race. Running the right race, running in the right direction. But then you get entangled and miss it. Somebody else trips you or you come in between and you miss the track and you get to not finish your race. We want to finish. And we want to finish well. We want to finish strong. We want to finish in a way that we are decorated also. Hallelujah. You know there's a possibility of being decorated. Ooh, glory. We want that. Amen. So if you look at this from that kind of a viewpoint, it's like he's showing you the coach himself, the example himself is showing you this is the way to run, to win, to do it right, to, so that you have no regrets. Hallelujah. Let's do it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And if we missed it, 1 John 1, nine is always there. We can go confess if you have done anything to someone personally. You can roll up to him or her and just say, I'm sorry, I messed up, man. And, uh, you know, face the consequences if they're angry and all that. But you can pray like Jacob prayed. God uh, would touch his brother's heart and all of that. You also can pray, Lord, give me favor with this person. I hurt them. I really did something detrimental. May they uh, receive my petition and plea for mercy. Hallelujah. And all of that there because you want to do this thing right. Amen. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? See, there is a legalistic, in quote, you know, view. You should obey the truth. You should obey the truth. Running well has a lot to do with obeying the truth. Obeying the truth. 
People don't like some words like that. Obeying the truth. You have to obey. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Obedience is a good word. Disobedience is not a good word. And notice that we are being treated like children for the rest of our lives. As though our parents are saying, obey. (laughs) It's God speaking to us. He's our true parent. He's our father. Amen. He's saying obey. Glory to God. And so obeying the truth helps us to run. And that's why we preach it. That's why we study it. Because we want to run properly. Hallelujah. It's important that we are uh, exposed to these things. Persuasion is the same word for obedience. If you look at your uh, app and you will notice that they were persuaded. By hearing and hearing and hearing. They were persuaded by some other voices. We are hearing the right truths and we will be persuaded. So Paul had to step in and bring this correction. Glory to God. Notice verse 9 says, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's the problem. Anytime you hear the word leaven in the Bible, it has a negative connotation. Amen. However, for the bread to rise, you need a little bit of leaven. Amen. And so uh, we don't want to overdo it. We want to be able to supply uh, the right amount. Hallelujah. And help the body to rise. The bread to rise. For we are one bread. We are one body. We are one bread. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Notice in verse 10 he brings a thought. He says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. It's about the mind. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. Well, whoever is trying to confuse you and change your way of thinking, they will bear their judgment. But it's about the mind, you see. Our mind gets changed as we contemplate the goodness of God, how much he loves us, how he has given everything back to us. We also change in our thinking and uh, the Lord will help us to be in unity to agree with the word of God. Verse 11, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross seized. They were saying that Paul was quietly circumcised. And that quietly he believed in all of that. That was their line. And so he said, If that were true, then the simple truth of the cross and the gospel has become useless. You see how simple the gospel is? Just believe and you're saved. You're a child of God. You're restored to all the benefits. Wow. Just like that? It's that simple? And people who are, in quote, sometimes Christians cannot believe that it's that simple. And they say, you mean just a little prayer like that and you're immediately saved? They argue and fight about it. Amen, because they're looking for something on the outside, in quote, to manufacture so that they feel saved. Praise God. And the only feeling you get is, the scripture said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's the witness we get, that that's what the Bible said. And that simplicity of our faith is cancelled by any other external operation. 
Baptism is like a symbol. Water baptism is like a symbol of the circumcision which Abraham received after, notice that, after he believed. It was a sign that he believed in God. Water baptism is a sign that you believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection, ascension, and sitting at the right hand of God. You believe that Jesus died for your sins, that he rose again the third day, that you are justified. And the whole thing is a picture of that burial and resurrection that you are showing to the world. But the truth is, a baptism cannot save you. The external thing cannot save you. Circumcision cannot save you. It is faith that saves. And imagine they started out by faith and then they went back to circumcision. How many people are actually saved and then going back to all of these things like, are you baptized? Hallelujah. So weird. So weird. So many other things. Uh, Do you wear this? Do you wear that? And begin to look on the outside. And begin to make judgments on the external. It's a sad case if you have to do that. Praise God. And so we want to set people free. Notice that. But sometimes we're scared to set people free. Because, you know, they may just produce all kinds of weird behavior also. Such as barking, throwing up in paper bags. All of that kind of stuff. There are extremes. So we need to just keep preaching the word. Praying in the spirit. Travailing in birth. Until Christ be formed in each one. Hallelujah. Some people take longer time for Christ to be formed. Some people take longer time to realize who's living inside them. Some people take longer time to submit to these things. Some people on the other hand are quick to repent. Quick to forgive. Quick to hear. Quick to act on the word. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have all of these varieties in the body of Christ. So it calls for a lot of patience. And we are all growing. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Let's go on as we read. I think we've. uh, Let's see verse 6. Have we read verse 6? Not. Let's hear verse 6 in Canada. Glory to God. So there it is. Let's read also verse 13. Praise God. Notice that level. We've jumped off to 13. But look at the flow of thoughts. He said, uh, Oh, really? You think I preach circumcision? Then the offense of the cross. You know, the offense of the cross is what makes you different from religious people. You believe in the simplicity of the cross and the price of grace. And that makes you an enemy of religious people. Amen. And that is a very powerful thing. And that is why you may not be a favorite among certain religious folk. Because there is an offense connected to the simple message that you didn't do anything. That you received the grace of God. Hallelujah. So Paul went on to say in the 12th verse he says, (coughs) If that will help that you can take a part of your foreskin off, then why don't you just 
chop the whole organ off. Maybe God will be more pleased with all. The NIV actually makes some line like that. Praise God. And so, you know, there are all these uh, religious kind of things where people pierce themselves, cut themselves, and, uh, you know, all of that. And so, praise God. Um, you know, we can, <laughs> we can decide to do that uh, and chop ourselves. You know, they, they seem to bring these, in quote, sacrifices to God. And this is what I did for you. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, we need to realize that there is no such thing required by God. God requires that we lay down our lives because of the love of God and not because of any other reason. Notice the NIV says, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Remove their masculinity. That's a nice way of saying the same thing. Hallelujah. So uh, Paul is definitely not a happy person as he's talking about this. You know, uh, if he were speaking in layman's terms, it would have come out differently. But he's a great orator and he's speaking in, in God's way. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's his opinion about all that. That's what he feels about it. Then comes verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. You're free. You're free to live. You're free. You're open in that field of grace. So much liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. The flesh is always going to look at liberty and say, Ah, I have a license now. I can do whatever I want. It's true. But he's saying don't do that. He says, but by love serve one another. Oops. Serve one another. Hallelujah. Why? For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. For those who were now being, uh, you know, abrased and sh- uh, kind of shaved by the law and kind of uh, grated by the law, he said, well, this is the law. The law says one thing, you love your neighbor as yourself. Everything there is to prove that you love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. All of it is inside there. So this is the cutting that will be done. This is the laying down that should be done. That we lay down our lives for the other. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's see if we can hear um, verse 14 also in Kannada. Praise God. So here is the love of God, plainly written there. It is simple. It is clear. We lay down our lives. We consider our brethren and give them importance. They begin to rise up and rise up in our esteem, in our estimation of who they are. We begin to look at our enemies differently. We begin to take an inventory of our thoughts in all of these things. What do I really think about the brother, the brethren? What do I really think about those who do not like me? What are my real thoughts? And then we begin to intervene and attack those thoughts with the word of God. And begin to replace those thoughts with a new way of thinking. Hallelujah. That is actual repentance. 
Not trusting in the physical and the outward man, but looking inside at the thoughts. Do they line up with the word of God? Am I being led by the spirit of God or am I being led by my flesh? Am I being led by self-preservation or am I laying down my life? Praise God. Simple thoughts like that. Let us begin to thank God today as we wind up with these thoughts. Hallelujah. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Thank you for these prayers, Lord, that they are kicking in, so to speak. They are coming to pass in our lives. We are being tuned up and adjusted for the great day when you come to take us home. Hallelujah. That we will run our race and not stumble by the side. That we will continue to go forward, onward, looking unto you, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of majesty on high, of our Father. We worship you now. We thank you for the opportunity to live in this world as your body, as your own temple. We worship you for helping us with these thoughts. Thank you for setting us free to serve you and not use our liberty as an excuse for the flesh. Oh, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Great helper, great Holy Spirit. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you for liberty. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for the ability to stand in that liberty. Thank you. Thank you. Till the day of Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Before you come, may we enjoy these benefits. May we live this out. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That we can esteem them, the others, the enemy, even as you esteem even as you see it. Thank you, Lord. 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 We receive your benefits. Every yoke destroyed, every burden removed, that we can serve the Lord in freedom. The anointing destroying and removing every yoke and burden that we can run freely the race that is set before us. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, great King. Thank you, Holy One. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, team. If you'd like to give this a great opportunity, we can do so and expect that God will always restore to you and He uses men. Hallelujah. You're blessed. In Jesus' name. I know God is my refuge and my strength. He's a very present help in 
Shake and 